no one's going to steal anything from you. If someone asks you a question, like another veteran or anyone that's trying to talk about a small business or a nonprofit, be completely open and honest because early on, people thought that if I told somebody how to get a grant or who I was getting money from for one more wave, that somehow that company was going to jump with them and steal my money. That doesn't happen at all. The more you share with people, the better they get and the better we get. My name is Kerry Kite. I'm an Air Force veteran and a writer, filmmaker, and entrepreneur. Day to day, I produce advertising content for a creative agency in New York City. Through this podcast, I'm turning my passion into practice. I separated from the Air Force in 2010. And since that time, through using the post 9-11 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 36 features Rob Garnett, a career Navy SEAL and the managing director of One More Wave. We talked about staying on mission. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. Rob Garnett, welcome. Good afternoon for both of us. You're on the West Coast, but it is afternoon for both of us, which is which is cool. Welcome. Thanks, Gary. Pleasure to be here, man. Awesome to have you. Uh, you're you're in mild stopping grounds. I grew up in, in North County, San Diego, uh, and so most uh, most days I'm missing it, especially today where it's rainy. Although I think it's been kind of stormy where you've where you are uh, for the last like, week or so. So uh, you, I think you sent it over this way to the East Coast. No, I think so. We've had to transition to normal shorts, flip-flops, but also a puffy jacket. So it's definitely winter weather in San Diego. That is the uh, that's the uniform that I love uh, from San Diego. And I I grew up splitting time between San Diego and Columbus, Ohio. And my wife and I have known each other since since uh, freshman year of high school, 13, 14. And so I've, I've tried to tell her that like that is a real life uniform to wear flip-flops, shorts, and then a fleece or a hoodie or something. And like, you're, I'm good to go. I, I'm presentable. I don't know what you're talking about. You're ready to rock. That's funny. My wife is from Cleveland. So we both got Ohio okay. wives. So. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I love it. Um, awesome. So I'd love to kick this off and, and just kind of give, give our audience a bit of a primer on, on who you are, you know, when and where you served and, and the organization that you're serving, um, serving with and for now. And we can kind of jump right in. Yeah, of course. No, thanks. So um, like you said, my name is Rob Garnett. I'm, I grew up here in Southern California. Um, I joined the Navy in 1993 and went right into the SEAL teams. I spent 23 years in the SEAL teams, all here on the West Coast, did lots of deploying like everybody did, and then I got out. Um, when I got out, I kind of did what a lot of us do, which is kind of hop into government contracting jobs just because it's easy and it's good money. Uh, I did that for a couple of years, and I hated it. I, I wanted to be done with it. I wanted something new. Um, I had a couple friends that, that had kicked off one more wave. I'd known about it from the beginning. We were all kind of working together. I started helping out and volunteering. Um, and then we kind of exploded. And we can talk a little bit later about what we exploded for. But what happened was um, we got a lot more interest. We needed one of us to start doing it um, as a job. And, and so I came in and started doing uh, operations for One More Wave. And now we're fast forward. Uh, that was probably 2017 when I started volunteering. So fast forward to now and um, we're still cranking. Awesome. Um, how long? How long were you contracting out and how quickly did you realize that uh that you hated it just out of curiosity um probably almost two years almost two years so um i was doing some local stuff sometimes sometimes traveling sometimes uh, short stints overseas um and almost immediately i was like this is so much not for me you know we all kind of think it's going to be the same as when you were in no matter what your job is that you're going to have the same camaraderie and kind of drive to finish whatever it is you're doing but once you're not in anymore, that's definitely not the case. You're kind of the, the old guy doing the contracting gig off to the side. Uh, and so it really wasn't what I needed. Um, so I was definitely glad to get back to really service to, to other folks. Um, and, and one more way to help me do that. Were you thinking about um, options kind of like as, as you were retiring, were you thinking about other options? And then while you were in, were you thinking about other options? Did you have avenues you wanted to explore or was it just pretty like serendipitous for for your buddies at One More Wave? 
uh, it was pretty serendipitous. I, I was rolling between contracts after retiring and uh, I was just in between them. And, they, and that's kind of like what I said. That, um, the, what happened was uh, we'd kind of gotten some, some press, uh, Starbucks. I, I didn't know Starbucks had a documentary team, but they did a documentary on us. So it was really good. It was fantastic meeting those guys. And after that, our, our applications kind of went through the roof for people applying for grants. Um, people wanted to talk to us. Um, people wanted to do collaborations. Uh, and it just got to be too much for us to do with other jobs. And so it just gave me the opportunity to really off-ramp from the stuff I really didn't like anyways into something that was fantastic. And I couldn't be happier. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, not not often that like a volunteer opportunity just like rolls right into right into something more. Uh, what were the what were the days like by, kind of before that documentary? And what was what did operations look like? What did volunteering look like? What was the size of the organization? Like what 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 was the landscape um, at the time? You know, kind of before it before it blew up like that. No, sure. So it, the way it started, I'll just quickly go through it, was that here in San Diego, there's a, a surf clinic that was run by Balboa Hospital, which is the big kind of West Coast military hospital. You know, Bethesda's on the East Coast, there's Tripler uh, and Oahu. And so all these places are where folks go that are going to be transitioned out of the service. And while they're doing that, there's going to be opportunities for different types of therapies. It could be horseback riding, backpack uh, riding, bicycling, whatever. And then they're surfing, right? So we would, I was doing this when I was still on active duty, we'd go volunteer at the surf clinic um, just to kind of help people that weren't familiar with the ocean, didn't know how to surf or had been injured and need help getting in and out of the water. Um, and so that's what led to one more wave was there's a couple folks that came through that uh, needed some help. They'd been uh, injured and no one was making adaptive surfboards at that time. There's a couple of guys in Hawaii that throw some handles on some stuff occasionally, but making stuff that was truly made for a person that has some special needs just wasn't a thing. Uh, and so that's really what the impetus was, was to start that. And so we were tiny. Uh, Alex started, Alex West. Um, he was slinging t-shirts out of the back of his truck, trying to make money to make these hats, and, or I'm sorry, to make boards by selling hats and t-shirts. Um, and then Kyle and I came on uh, and then we started taking on applications. We started making boards. Um, and what we found are if we made probably, I don't know, 30 boards that, we realized that people didn't just want this equipment. We all thought this equipment would be the magic. You know, we're all dudes at the time. We hadn't had any females yet. Guys like gear, we're going to make this gear and then everything's going to be great. And it really wasn't the case because people would get these boards or whatever type of equipment they needed. could be a custom wetsuit. And then they would just sit at the house with it because a lot of us, when we transition, tend to isolate, right? We come up with all kinds of reasons why we need to stay in the house. No one understands me. Uh, we feel sorry for ourselves and just go into a hole of kind of self-pity. Um, and so we figured out that we needed to have some community and that just meant, um, monthly meetups to surf. Uh, and so we kind of gradually moved to where we were almost doing more with community than, than making boards, uh, just because people wanted to meet, people wanted to stand in a circle and talk some trash, drink some coffee, have some fun, you know, encourage each other, make fun of each other. All the things that we really enjoy about friendship. Um, a lot of us were missing by, you know, transitioning that transition was tough, especially I think the longer you're in. Um, and so we started having these monthly meetups, which expanded into chapters, uh, which is where we are now, expanding chapters throughout the U.S. Yeah, um, lot, lots to dive into there. So um, so Alex is, is selling T-shirts and hats um, was uh, it's like it's such a like great way to get started. It's such a like a like a military way to get started. Right. Like. Uh, I'm sure there's grants and things out there, but like, I, 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 and maybe, maybe he did or didn't know about grants at the time. Right. But it's like, well, let me just do what's right in front of me. Let me see how quickly uh, and efficiently I can, I can get some cash together to do the thing that I want to do. Right. Like don't overthink it. Don't underthink it. Just kind of start to, to do it. At what point did you and him start to think about, um, you know, like there, there's, there's maybe a better way to do this. Like, was it, was it, was it, um, was it not until the the Starbucks thing or like were, as you're as you're thinking about what people actually need, which is like you said, more than just gear, but it's actually community and conversation and, you know, fellowship. Um, were the wheels starting to turn a, about like how to make this a, kind of a, a real nonprofit, so to speak? Or was it still just like, absolutely. let's just figure it out? No, absolutely. It was like, I, I mean, it's funny to hear Alex tell the story. I mean, he actually went to like Barnes and Noble and got, you know, uh, Nonprofits for dummies. Like that's how we learned how to submit right. all the paperwork was through those kind of yeah. books. But, but yeah, no, we definitely started thinking, Hey, we're, we're making some money. We need to be able to use it properly. We want to be able to invest it and, uh, and get awareness out there. And awareness was pretty good because we would get people locally here in San Diego, uh, but other people didn't know. So we, 
if we wanted to sell things, which is our shirts and hats, because we wanted to be self-sustaining if we could. We were trying to stay away from grants in the beginning because there are sometimes rules associated with them. We wanted yeah. to just be able to do what we wanted with our stuff and support people as best we could. Um, and so we stayed away from grants for a bit. And to be honest, writing grants is hard. Uh, it took us a little bit to kind of get into that. Um, but yes, we had a plan. We're like, hey, we need to talk about marketing. And, and luckily, um, another guy, Kyle, came on and started helping us. And um, we really started to explode with social, right? So we did a lot of things with Instagram and Facebook, and that helped us a lot. And lucky for us, that's when all that stuff was pretty hot, right? Um, everyone was really, it was all new and cool, and people were doing stuff. And we were taking pictures and showing things and shaping bays, which is where we make surfboards, that no one else was doing. So it kind of got us a lot of attention. Um, so yes, we started really ramping up. Hey, we might have to spend a little money on marketing. We might have to email people and ask for help. We might have to actually go and I want to say knock on doors, but, um, virtually knock on doors to get donations and, and, and do uh, programs that let us make money to, to make more, to make more equipment, um, and to do what we call, um, sponsor our riders. Right. So once we decide that someone is going to get equipment for us or a rider for as long as they keep surfing. So when their boards get broken, we make new ones. When things need to be fixed, we fix them. Uh, wetsuits wear out. Um, if people need to travel, we'll help them. Uh, tons of other things have come up as we've gone along, but absolutely. We started to build this knowing that we wanted to expand and, and help more people. Can, can you talk a little bit more about the mindset behind being self-sustaining? Cause it's a, a, it's, it's a difference that I've noticed between, you know, frankly, the nonprofits that I like to support and the ones that I don't like to support, right? Like we all know there's bad, sure. bad actors in the space, right? You take advantage of grants of and take advantage of the 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 uh, status, right? 501c3 status or, or whatever it might be. Right. Can you talk about that mindset that, that you all had from the beginning about being self-sustaining and why that was important to you? No, yeah, we just, honestly, we wanted to just give every penny that we had back into what we were trying to do, which was help, you know, our fellow vets. And so we really tried hard to find ways that we could, you know, hustle to, to make this money without having to ask other people, without having to, you know, be sponsored by other people. We didn't want to, uh, and honestly, we stayed away from some big kind of industries that wanted to help us um, that we thought weren't healthy. Uh, one of them would be like big alcohol companies um, or big cannabis companies, which, you know, whether or not you're pro or, or not, um, we have a lot of the folks that we support or that we provide equipment to or whatever it is, they're in um, recovery. Um, and so we couldn't we couldn't do that. And so we wanted to stay back from everything that might be um, thought of as not being safe for people. Right. We want to have this good attitude towards, hey, we want to we're, we're providing this what we hope is opportunity for surf therapy. We want to provide a healthier lifestyle. So we were just trying to stay away from everything that um, that would be looked at differently. Uh, and that, so we could keep everyone safe and make everyone feel like they were welcome and uh, could come to our events. And it wasn't going to be what we all experienced in the military, which was uh, some type of a, a party, you know, where people were um, maybe doing too much of what they shouldn't. Uh, and we're trying to move away from that. And so that was really important to us was making sure that we kind of stayed on mission, which is really hard to, to not, it's really easy to branch out and do things that aren't on your mission, um, and get away from what was important, which was getting more and more people into that magic of the ocean. Yeah. I was, the, my, my follow-up question was going to be how difficult was it to say no to some of those big brands? Really hard. I mean, cause sometimes they'll, you know, because at first we did, you know, we took some money and then all of a sudden you're making thousands of dollars less because you're like, hey, it's not a good idea that we're um, we're partnering with with companies that um, we're kind of saying, hey, don't do this, but we'll take the money anyways. And so we had a tough time with it, but we did. We, we cut ties. Um, we said, hey, thank you, but this isn't the best for for our brand. We want to make sure everyone knows, hey, we're, we're here about surfing. We're here about getting people in the water. Um just because you buy or drink alcohol doesn't mean you're a bad person. But uh, we had a lot of people in recovery, um, a lot of things and, and not to off ramp too much is one of the things we started doing was like reaching out to some VA um, rehab centers that are for like substance or mental health uh, and going to talk to those folks and offering them to come with us. I, I don't want them to come to an event. And then there's you know something that might've sent them back right where they came from. And, and so that's what kind of um, sent us down that path. Yeah. And actually that's not a branch that that's too, too far away. I mean, I, I think, you know, one one thing that I've that I've learned th through through hosting these podcasts and having these conversations is um, the the integration of all of these things together, right? So I initially started this podcast because I wanted to to talk about career transition, right? And I wanted to focus on developing job skills and how 
um, our, our life skills that we developed in the military and maybe even some of our, our job skills could integrate into sure. the civilian workforce, right? And that kind of, that was the focus. And then as I had more conversations and I started to learn from my guests that were coming on, I realized like, oh, wow, there's actually, A, there's more transitions than just the one career transition from, you know, from service to civilian. There's many transitions along the way, going all the way back to our journey however that however unique that might be into the military then all of the transitions within the military and then your transition out and then more transitions again after that so there's there, there's more than just the one right so i realized i was a little too narrowly focused and then the other piece being as i start to speak with other folks that are focused on on um you know mental health mental wellness um or or physical uh, health and physical wellness um i think what you just touched on is really important as military veterans regardless of what our service was like we actually need all of these things to come together kind of like within us and through each other in order to successfully transition and continue to transition um, out of the military and, and kind of like live the rest of our lives. Right. So the, the idea that you're thinking about, um, you know, helping folks that, that, that might have a physical need or challenge, but then you're also thinking about the, 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 the mental and the emotional and the physical and the spiritual health of, of those folks. Like it's, it's all integrated, right? No, it truly is. And, you know, when I learned that even more was when we realized that we're rare and that um, I don't care if you're a post 9-11 vet or not. You could be from Vietnam um, all the way up to today. It doesn't matter. We don't have um, we don't have parameters like that. Um, same with uh, how you exited the military. Maybe you had a rough run at the end and you got kicked out or you had some type of an exit that was other than honorable and you probably need more support than, than everybody else. Uh, and so when I started like really talking to those folks, you really realized how much help there is that uh, is needs to be given uh and so just opening those doors up has been fantastic because honestly that's where the folks those folks are where you see the most growth it's pretty incredible yeah and and also like you know it's it's probably easy really easy to judge those folks um but when you sit down and have a conversation and understand why it's probably a lot for 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 you know for you collective you not you specifically but collective you to learn right <laughs> about yourself no of course no and a great example is this so let's say you're a young marine you're over in wherever it is, Iraq, Afghanistan, you get hit with a couple of IEDs, you come back and you have some traumatic brain injury. It goes undiagnosed, you start acting out, you're late a couple of times, you come and smell like booze, uh, then you get a DUI. So now you've served, you've done a great job, but at the end, you kind of screwed up and you get kicked out. And so you get out, you're angry, you're in trouble, you've got a DUI, you've got this bad exit. And when really, we just could have supported you earlier and you probably would have been fine. But instead, you know, based on no one's, uh, it wasn't really anyone's fault, just a series of events, you're kind of kicked out of the military and now you get no support from anybody. And so I think it's really easy for, for us to judge and go, Oh, he got a DUI. It's a piece of piece of garbage and got thrown out when really, you know, it's not, it's just like the rest of us. It just had a bad set of circumstances. So that's been really life-changing for me is to, you know, just listen to people um, because most of us are trying to get to the same place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also just there's some humility there. I remember I, my, my 30th birth, birthday, five years ago, I'm about to turn, about to turn 35. Um, we all got together. I was living in New York at the time. Um, a bunch of people got together, went to a cabin upstate and um, kind of hung out for the weekend, had a great time. And we were sitting around, uh, sitting around the campfire uh, with a friend of ours and, and, and her boyfriend at the time and, and one of my best friends and, and his wife and my wife. And we're all kind of sitting there talking and uh, no, nobody else had served in the military. So this is just kind of a related anecdote, but not, not to the military. And um, my friend's boyfriend, um, uh, was kind of like talking about a, a sibling of his and a little judgmental about some of the life choices that person was making. And one of my best friends uh, who was there with me kind of opened up about his brother who had, who had successfully, was successfully battling and is still currently successfully battling addiction and had talked about um, just that journey, what it was like for him to observe that as this guy's brother, right? And like how he had scrounged, he just got, got his life together and was working at a fast food restaurant. And we were all just talking about like how proud we were of the fact that he was clean, he was sober, and he was contributing meaningfully to his own life, his children's lives, and, and to society. And um, I remember this other person was just was very negative about that, very judgmental, and was just like, "I I can't believe that you think that's uh, something that's worthy of praise." And my buddy and I were just like, "Dude, the right circumstances? That's me. The right circumstances? That's right. us. Like, like." Right. Like we're all kind of capable of of both the, the the best versions of ourselves and the worst versions of ourselves. So I think a little humility and then a little engagement with those with those folks, um, you know, goes goes more than goes a long way. It can actually, um, you know, contribute to to your own mental well being. No, absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, so what is the, um, what is the, the, well, I guess I don't want to get too, too far ahead. So like, let, let's, um, as you were started to transition from being a volunteer to, um, a, kind of a more and kind of, I guess, employed status, would that be the, be the way to say it? Like you, you were became sure. employed by the, yeah, the, by, by one more wave. Yep. What did, right. what did that, what did that transition look like for you? Like how, and how did you feel taking that on? So you obviously saw a need you're like, well, let me, let me help meet this need and, and fill this, fill this role. But how did you, how did you approach it? mentally, emotionally, like what, what did you, what was that like for you? No, for sure. No. So when I first started, I was kind of doing what we call like veteran relations. So when people had questions about how to apply for gear or tracking of making the gear, that's what I was doing. Um, but we started getting so much volume that we were really getting backed up. We probably, by the time I came on as a, excuse me, as an employee, we probably had more than a hundred boards to make in the queue which puts us at like two years to build them. And so it was, it was very stressful, honestly, to, to come on because you feel like if someone asks for some equipment, um, they, they have a need, we've decided, hey, um, surf therapy would benefit this person, um, but we're making, it's taking two years to get them this equipment. We're not, we're not doing a, a service, right? We're doing a disservice because my biggest fear was, you know, we say, hey, yes, we'd like to give this gear. And then while they're waiting to get the gear, something bad happens, right? They decide whatever's going on with their life and they check out. Worst case scenario, now we've got someone that, you know, was lost in the system. And so what I really tried to focus on was getting through this big queue that we had. And so I just really had to kind of organize it, much like we all do in the service, which is kind of come up with steps and uh, operations we all understand, how to make things work and how to refine a process. And so that's what I did. I just kind of tried to refine our process of one all the way from applying all the way through getting gear. Um, and so sometimes those can be really challenging is because a lot of what we did early on, and we still do, is art therapy, right? So if someone's getting a board made and they'd like to design something for their board, um, we were all in and we'd have a uh, an artist. At first it was Alex. Alex is an artist, Alex, our founder. Um, and so he would do it. Uh, and so he got kind of overwhelmed. And so we've, we've tried many different people and it'd be a lot of back and forth. So let's say you're really into octopuses, you know, so we really want to do this special octopus air force Plus you're a Chargers fan and you want your family in there. So we're going to try to meld all that into some crazy art on your board. Um, that takes a long time. That's a lot of back and forth. Imagine the colors and back and forth. So those processes would take forever. Uh, and so that was really what was kind of the linchpin was kind of getting everyone on schedules and getting people to call. Um, early on, we had the line was so long, the queue, um, that people would get kind of disheartened and, and stop calling me back. So I really had to spend a lot of time like, gaining people's trust again. Like, Hey man, I, I know I said to give this board, but I'm going to for real. Let's, let's re-engage. And, you know, sometimes people go dark for a while. They don't want to talk. Uh, so it was a lot of, for me, personal growth to just learn to talk to people and listen. And, you know, sometimes I would plan when I first started, Hey, I was just going to be 15 minutes talking to this person. Um, but I really had to start blocking it out and it got much better when I'd be like, okay, I'm going to talk to this person for an hour uh, and we're going to work this out. I'm going to learn more about how this person ticks uh, and then we can become friends. And then I think we can kind of move forward with this process. And that really helped a lot. Um, and so we realized through that, that we need to do something called follow-up calls. And so every, so we have, I think 602 or three people now that have received gear. So we call them twice a year, right? So it's, it's to check on their gear and it's also to, you know, say happy birthday or something. Uh, and so those connection points, people really appreciate. I didn't think anyone would really care, um, but a lot of people really do, you know, maybe they don't get any calls at all. And so we've really focused on, keeping it so unique that everyone feels like they're part of a family. Now, some people move on. They, they tried surfing for a while. They don't like it. Or they moved to Wisconsin and there's no surfing. That's cool. Um, but really just that contact all the time has been key to us. And that's really what I've, I've tried to do is just keep the contact going, keep touch points, you know, throughout the year and make sure there's opportunities for more people to come. But back to your question of like, how did we do it? It was really just to do lots and lots of hours. Like when we first started, it was 10, 12 hour days um, seven days a week for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Um, cause when you're done with one, there's another thing to do, or there's taxes we forgot about, or there's a, a registration we have to do, or we're doing fundraising. Um, so it's, uh, just like any other, I think, small business startup, it's a hustle and it's tons and tons of work. Yeah, absolutely. Were you targeting, um, so if you, if you were looking at, um, certain partnerships, brand uh, sp sponsorships and partnerships that you weren't um, that you weren't engaging in for the reasons we already talked about. Were there any that you uh -huh. were targeting? Were you doing any sort of like out outbound? Uh, or was, was any of that like kind of like 
inbound from other brands uh, or, or after you had said no to some of those brands, were you thinking more like, all right, let's kind of go back to the, back to the basics of, of kind of self-generated um, funding here? Uh, all of the above. So we would do, do stuff with social media. Um, we would reach out to folks. Um, we got to where we were doing, you know, there's tons of different venues for this. It could be um, companies, a lot of companies come to us. They're like, hey, we've heard about you guys. We do a fun uh, golf tournament we like to do and they'd add us to it. We're going to do a gala. Uh, we had some different companies come and say, hey, we'd like to, to just donate and partner with you. Everyone's different. And it's all through our networks, right? Uh, rarely did anyone ever come to us and go, hey, here's a, a bag of money. I wish it worked like that. But it, it, right. it, unfortunately, that doesn't, hasn't happened yet. Uh, maybe it will tomorrow. Uh, but no, it's all through networking and constantly talking to people and just being willing to chat with lots and lots of people, which a lot of us aren't used to. I, I certainly wasn't. Um, you're you're kind of used to just doing your thing. Um I wasn't, a, I'm not an extrovert. So going out and engaging people and, and asking for money is hard. Um, so it's all through networking and talking to people and just being constantly, you know, on your phone or using things like LinkedIn um, or answering people on Facebook. People are shocked when a company responds to you on uh, social media immediately. So all those things have been beneficial to us. Uh, we have tried grant writing. I know you kind of asked about that a little bit. We just haven't had a ton of luck with it. it it's um We've tried hiring people to do grant writing for us. It's just, it, it's a whole monster in and of itself. So we don't do it that much, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, got some friends here in, in Richmond who run a, a, a nonprofit uh, art gallery and it's actually a, a fairly uh, fairly uh, consistent topic of conversation because uh, they're, they're, they're always always in there writing these grants and tweaking and, and, and trying to figure out the best way to do it. And uh, it's, it's, it certainly seems like it's pretty difficult. Um, what, um, what tools did you engage personally to become a little bit more extroverted, um, even if you didn't fully become an extrovert, but becoming more extroverted in order to have some of these conversations and build these relationships? Like that's something that our audience thinks quite a bit about, right? And networking comes up a lot. Relationship building comes up a lot. Um, and it, it seems to be one of the more difficult things to do right because we don't we don't know what somebody may or may not appreciate about a cold outreach. Um, what 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 did you work on personally? What did you employ personally to to get better at that? Uh, just practicing a lot, <laughs> doing it to uh, practicing against my wife or uh, friends or other people, and just doing it over and over again. Because my first reaction always is I don't want to do it, um, but that's the wrong reaction, right? You're going to have to be out there and do it. So I would just practice over and over and over again. I practice with my friends, family. Um, the big thing that I learned is people would go, how can I help? And I wouldn't, I'd say, oh, I don't know. And so I had to come up with a list, almost like a, a cheat sheet in my pocket. Be like, well, this is what I need. If you're a marketing person, you could help me with marketing. Um, if, if you're, a, if you can run a website, that's good. So just having a list in my brain or actually in my pocket, we'd go on events and I'd have little things in my pocket or even little short stories in my pocket because people would want impact stories. No matter what you're doing, if you're doing construction jobs or I'm trying to get you to buy surfboards for me, um, having some impact stories about how past um, fundraisers have impacted veterans has been super helpful. Cause then I can be like, Oh, we did this and this, this is specifically what I need. This is the actual money I need. So like, I'm always very open about how much money do I need to the dollar? How much does it cost to make things? I don't ever get, I don't ever dance around any of that or say how much we spend. I say, no, this is exactly how much we need. It's how much we spent last year. I think we might need a little bit more this year. And people really, I think respond to that instead of, dancing around be like, Oh, you know, whatever I might need. I, I just tell them exactly what it is, what our budget is, what our taxes were. And I, I, we've gotten a lot of um, positive results from that for sure. That, that is uh that's, so, that's so smart. Um, because, because, um, especially because I think some, some folks are, are hesitant to like, they want to poke and prod about with nonprofits, right? They want to make sure that sure. the money that you know, there, yeah. there's a, a major nonprofit in our, in our community. I'm not going to name them because I don't want to throw them under the bus that has had issues in the past. Right. And so that kind of always comes up as the example. And people are like, well, right. I don't know, but you've provided the solution for that. Nope. Here's how much money I need. Here's where it's going. Here's why I need more. And here's what it's going to. Yeah. I think it's so smart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'll actually have cards. We'll get people. This is, and I just show them, this is how much a wet suit costs. This is how much a custom wet suit. Anyway, so people can see exactly where their money's going. If they donate $35, what that's probably going to go towards. And uh, that's been super helpful. I don't remember if someone told us that or if we just started doing it, but it definitely works. People appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing that you that you said that I, I kind of chuckled at is it's it's funny. And this is true for, for folks, I think, that are raising money um, as a part of a nonprofit. And then just in general for, for uh, transitioning veterans or, or, or anybody who is trying to build relationships and network, if somebody asks you what you need, be ready to tell them. 
Don't. Oh yeah. Because the last thing you like that you're probably entering into a conversation or into a room or, or whatever. You're like, man, I really wish somebody would just ask me what I need. So I don't have to like give my whole spiel. And then somebody asks you what you need. And you're like, uh, <laughs> be ready. Yeah. I fumbled many times like that. And I go, I, I don't know money. And people are confused <laughs> by that. How much money a million. If I give you a million dollars, what'd you do? And you're like, I don't know. So learning how to respond to those and really just having, honestly, I, I have a three by five card in my pocket and I'd be getting ready before talking to people and be like, okay, here's what I'm going to say. If they ask these questions and then, totally helped me because as much as we think we're going to remember or we're that good, uh, we're not that good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, re- we have to build redundancy in, in because uh, it just, it'll, it'll, it'll save your ass. Um, okay. So I'd love to, I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, so the, the organization has a pretty interesting way when we were talking offline before about, about the executive leadership roles and how it kind of rotates in and out. And, and you have since, um, taken taken over as CEO at the beginning of of this year, twenty twenty three. So, can you walk us through how the CEO role has has evolved and how you've all kind of jumped in and out of that, and then talk a little bit about your transition, you know, this quarter into uh, this year in, into that role yourself? Yeah, for sure. No, so what we've done so far is um, we've been tiny from the beginning, right? We have a very small board of directors, and then just a couple of us that have kind of been around since the beginning. So Alex West, when he started it, he was the founder, the, the CEO, the t-shirt maker, the artist, all that stuff. Um, and so he was the guy. Um, and then Kyle Bucket, who was another buddy of ours, he came in and he was helping doing kind of the same things that I was doing. Uh, and what happened was he rotated into CEO and uh, Alex just moved into, I say just, but he just stopped being the decision maker of that point and was in the board of directors. And he did that for a couple of years. Um, when that was helpful for him because he was actually transitioning out of the Navy himself. He went off to do the same thing I did, which was some contracting, which he also hated and and then came back to other work. But uh, so he did that for a couple of years. So for probably two years, uh, Kyle was our our CEO or um, managing director, as we call it now. Um, He did that. And then uh, Alex came back. Alex came back, rotated back in. uh, And so we've rotated several times. Um, through that, I've been kind of the ops guy the whole time because I've been able to, that was more of the full-time job than the, uh, the, the CEO, right? You could, the CEO for us uh, is uh, obviously in, um, in a nonprofit role, the CEO's primary job is fundraising. Um, so you can do that after work in addition to work, uh, and still do it pretty well. Um, but as we've grown bigger, that hasn't, (laughs) that hasn't worked as well for us. And so, um, about a year ago, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say about a year ago, in January, we rotated again. And so what happened now is I have rotated into the, the CEO position. Alex is now the the chairman of the board uh, of our board of directors. And we're just kind of rotating again. And it's really been great for us because we just keep rotating everyone through, uh, through the different positions. And we've all kind of been around. We kind of have our own uh, spin on each little piece. And it's really just helped us grow throughout. And it, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's a really smart way of doing things, and I think that um, you know. So the the so one of the workflows that we've added at the at the ad agency that I that I work at, um, Circus Maximus, uh, this year is we've started cross training it, and, and it had uh, had to do with some conversations I had with my CEO about my experience in the military, and I was a flight line guy in the Air Force, right? I loaded bombs. Uh, Navy would have called it ordnanceman. Air Force uh, was is armament. Um, so you know, on the flight line, we had crew chiefs. Who, you know, who were overall in charge of the birds. We had avionics who were overall in charge of the electronics armament. Myself, you know, we loaded all the bombs and you had the air to ground equipment. You had like all these different um, groups of, of, of people that were facilitating the sorties being, being flown. And obviously you have to be trained specifically on your own job, right? So, and, and specifically for us with, with munitions, we had to be qualled monthly. So it was, it was very, very in, in depth. Um, so we're, we're constantly being qualled, but we had an idea of what the avionics troops were doing. We had an idea of what the crew chiefs were doing because we were working with them constantly in and out, right? So it's very helpful for, for us to know what was going on in any given department and then how we could get that 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 bird off the ground, right? And I, 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 would, I would imagine that you had the same the same thing. Each each member of, of a SEAL team has their specialty, but the others sure. understand how that works, right? Is that kind of what what intentionally drove the way that you operate on the on the executive team? Uh, at one more wave, or is that just something that just kind of naturally happened because of your background? I think a little of both, right? We both, we all kind of knew each other's jobs because we have to, it's tiny. Um, and so switching around isn't that big of a deal. But yes, uh, just like you said, everyone kind of knows each other's jobs. 
some of us have more strengths maybe in marketing than we do in organization or, you know, I'm better, I'm much better at operational organization than I am at marketing. Um, but we can rotate around. Everyone's still there. We can pick up where the other person takes off. And so it's definitely makes everyone better, I think, because once you've rotated through that other person's primary role, I think you just get better at the entire organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how many, how many folks on the team um, in, in, in general, not just on the leadership team, but in the organization? There's just a couple. So we, we went from having quite a few to we've shrunk back down to a smaller number. Um, we, we pay a small marketing team that kind of manage our, manages our social media. Um, my wife is the volunteer that she's kind of our CMO. She does uh, all of our um, e-commerce, like everything that's happening that happens out of our house, all the all of our swag that goes out. Um, and then we have some other contractors that do side jobs. Alex still does art for us. Um, and then we have our board of directors that kind of helps with all kinds of things. Uh, but the team is very small. Um, we we outsource photographers for for different events. Everyone likes to have pictures and it helps us make money. Um, so that's really it. We have a photographer that's kind of a, a 1099, if you like. Um, same thing with the the group that that runs our social media. Uh, my my wife makes the best. She makes zero. So she's the, the highest paid volunteer for sure. Uh, and then we have a couple other people that help. But we also have um, chapter chapters, right? We haven't really talked about that too much. So we have chapters. We meet one, monthly to surf. Um, so we have a chapter here in San Diego. We have one in Virginia Beach. Um, we have one at Surf City in North Carolina. We have Oahu. Um, and so each one of those has a chapter leader. They're all volunteers. They run our monthly surf sessions every third Saturday of the month. And, you know, what they'll do is they're kind of the folks that are out there when people have questions or they're our lead catchers. You know, if someone wants to donate, they, they're they out there kind of managing that a little bit and then they shove them towards us. So really everything we do is is based on volunteers, to be honest. Uh, I love that. How many, um, and then how many, uh, is everybody, is your wife a military veteran? Did she serve? She did. She's a retired Navy. Yep. Oh, very cool. So, I mean, is everybody who uh, volunteers or, or works in the organization a military veteran? Or uh, except, Yeah, pretty much everyone's a vet. Um, uh, our marketing crew is not, that's it. Um, but everyone else, everyone else is. Yep. That's very cool. Um, and then what is the, um, what is the, what is the, what's the makeup of the, I mean, what's the scope of the, of the, uh, I guess not customers or consumers or constituency, but sure. like folks who participate, sure. like, what does that look like? I mean, it sounds fairly almost global um, at, at this point. So like how many folks are, 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 are involved and like, what is, what does the makeup look like? Sure. No, thanks for asking. No. So um, as far as riders, it's like to become a rider, to receive a grant for one more wave. You just, there's just a couple of criteria. You need to be a vet. Um, you need to have some percentage of uh, disability from the VA. It can be zero, can be a hundred. Um, we don't have a scale. So you don't jump to the head of the line. If you are a triple amputee or if you have tinnitus, it doesn't matter. You get in the queue with everybody else and we go through. Um, so riders, there's 600 plus right now that have received gear and they're all over the globe. We've got people from, from here on the West Coast to the East Coast, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Guam, Okinawa, all over the place. Um, and each one of those groups, they meet all the time. So like the largest group is San Diego, the largest, um, San Diego is the largest veteran and active duty city in the, in the U S I think, yeah. I think Norfolk's number two. And then I think probably Oahu is probably number three. Um, but so those have big groups. So here in San Diego, when we meet on Saturdays, we have large groups of people, <clears throat> but we're not just, pardon me. <clears throat> we're not just open to, um, military or veterans. So anyone can come surf. So we have probably in San Diego, we have at probably 60% vets and 40%, you know, just whoever wants to come surf or get in the ocean or with lots of first responders. We have just plenty of people that come that have nothing to do with the military that just like our, like our thing and they come. Um, we're super open to everybody. We don't, don't really have, uh, what's been really successful for us is we don't really have a schedule. So people can come and go when they like. So we'll be there. I have a permit for four hours. You will come in the morning. If you want that coffee to be hot, you should come early. Otherwise, yeah. you know, <laughs> come whenever you want. But we're just, we're there for four hours. We don't have a, we don't put on a show. You know, we're not doing anything, but hey, come surf. If we're giving away gear, like if we're going to present a board, we'll try and do it at the beginning just so everyone can enjoy it. And then we can get that person in the water and go surf. Um, but there's hundreds and hundreds of people. We probably have 1,200 volunteers that are signed up on the website to help. Um, I do a bad job of involving them all. We just don't, don't have enough use. There's so many people that want to volunteer that uh, I feel guilty not being able to get everyone something to do, but we, we try to get everyone involved. But um, there's wonderful people that come constantly wanting to help uh, and just be a part of it. And so it's much bigger than 
um, than veterans. It's uh, lots and lots of people that want to come enjoy the ocean. Even if they can't surf, they'll just come hang out. Yeah, it's in, that's incredible. I, I was telling you when we spoke offline, I, obviously I grew up in San Diego, grew up surfing in San Diego mm-hmm. and, and Oahu, learned, yeah. learned at Waikiki and um, have since, uh, you know, spent more time snowboarding uh, in the kind of like latter sure. half of, of my life than I did surfing. But uh, definitely want to try to get out, get out to the chapter in, in Virginia Beach. Um, I'm in Richmond, so you no know, 90-ish minutes um, and uh, kind of get out there and, and meet everybody this uh, this summer. I guess you're probably ramping up here in the spring. It's like warm-ish right now. I don't know what the... Right, know, it, the, right. Uh, it's pretty rough. It's it's cold right now for sure. It's uh, lobster yeah. claws out there with your, yeah, with yeah. your gloves on. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, that's 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 incredible. Okay, so um, I, I guess what I'm curious, what's next? Um, what is like? What is the? How, so the organization has been. So you said 2017, or how many Two, years did you say? 15. 2015. 2015. So eight, eight years yep. going on, going on ten. So um, yep. yeah, what's what what what. What's next? Like, what is it? What does the growth of the organization look like to to you and the rest of the team? And what are what are, is there anything you're working on? Um, you know, kind of to 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 either expand or just just to to deepen. Like, what what what's what's next? What does it look like? No, uh, no. Thanks for asking. So one of the things that we really hold hold close is like we want to be this really boutique uh, group of folks that so that we can access everybody and constantly make everyone feel like they're part of the team still. Um, so. We want to keep it small, but still personable, but we always like expanding. And so we're always available to open up new chapters. Now, everyone wants to open up a chapter, uh, but it's hard on the East Coast, right? So it's not very fun to learn to surf in the winter on the East Coast. I don't care where you are. Uh, And so it's hard to keep those chapters going throughout the year, but we're always looking to expand chapters and make more people able to go surf. Um, One of the things that's really exciting is parasurfing, right? So parasurfing is people that are competing, uh, surfing that have some type of injury. Um, it could be amputations, it could be blindness, it could be spinal injuries, it could be anything, right? So this time in the Olympics, there will be Paralympics, there will be parasurfing in the Olympics. And so we have probably eight of our folks that are veterans that have received equipment from us that are on Team USA. And so that means all those folks are going to be trying to compete in the Olympics this next time. So it's super exciting to think about all those folks going to the next stage and being able to compete on the on the, on the world stage, right, with uh as veterans, you know, with our gear and just to kind of spread the word that, you know, people can still do plenty of things just because they're missing a foot doesn't mean they care. Right. So when you go out in the water, what's fantastic about everyone is the ocean doesn't care. It doesn't care if you're sad or happy or not paying attention or you don't have all your limbs. You have to be focused. Uh, and we, we all kind of thrive in that. Right. We like being back on a on a team. Right. Uh, where we have to focus and be uh, present or bad things happen, right? You might get knocked off your board. You might run into somebody else. Uh, you might get held underwater, uh, any number of non-lethal things, but uh, will definitely make you humble. And so the idea of getting more adaptive people out there surfing is fantastic. And the idea that it's going to be in the Olympics this time is super exciting. What year is that? That's incredible. Uh, what, what, is that 2023? No, I think it's it's the one that's going to be in LA next time. Uh, so oh, okay. next. oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the Olympics. Yeah. It's always yeah. it's an even yeah. it's an even year. So yeah, twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, no. Very cool. Uh, no, it's kind of fun. Like they they they've always had adaptive competitions, but just this year they started having a purse, right? So now they're actually winning some cash. You know, they're not making Kelly Slater money, but at least it pays for your flight. You know, for the the one in Hawaii or the one here in Oceanside. So it's it's really cool to see that that's expanded so much, and it, it's certainly from all the support that like the VA has gigantic, um, I said gigantic, I think they do like $16 million a year for adaptive mm-hmm. sports. Um, and so that has really helped propel everyone into, you know, getting everyone that wants to compete, you know, whether you're riding a, a bike or, you know, you're doing that crazy basketball where you're beating the crap out of each other or mm-hmm. surfing. Um, there's lots of opportunities to do it. Yeah. What's, what is, what's your overall um, I, I guess perspective and experience been when it comes to just a, adaptive sports in general and, and your, your participation over the course of the last decade. And, and especially obviously, you know, uh, you, 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 um, did you, were you enlisted or commissioned? Enlisted. You enlisted. So you enlisted 93, which was, you know, pre um, obviously pre pre nine 11 and, and pre uh, sustained combat. Right. So you kind of, you, you kind of saw the, 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 the beginning of that, you know, uh, and then, and then, we've, we've all kind of seen the effects of, of a 20 year, you know, war. Um, yep. And so this, this, this need for adaptive athletics and, and this, this need is, is, um, 
has kind of uh, come, come back in a way like, you know, previous world wars, like there, there was obviously um, a need for it back then too, but less technology and less opportunity and less all that. So like, what's your overall observation and experience been um, kind of in service and post-service through, through your work with One More Wave? No, it's been incredible because normally when you go to any kind of competition that's not adaptive, right? When you're getting, you're going to go, you know, run a marathon or you're playing football, you know, you imagine the game starting, whatever the match is going to be. There's a lot of mean mugging going on, people sizing each other up, kind of, you know, intimidating each other. Um, there's none of that with adaptive surfing that I've seen. Every single person that's out there is stoked for the other person. If the other person beats them, they're like, hey, man, you did a great job. You did better than me. And everyone's very encouraging and helpful. And people will go out of their way to help the other person to even lose a heat um, rather than see the other person, you know, suffer at all. So it's been incredible for me to just see all of these people that just want to help each other. Uh, it's fantastic. It's not like anything I ever experienced. I grew up swimming and doing water polo and everyone's super aggressive. Everyone just wants to win. It's all about you or the team. Whereas this is not like that at all. It's about everyone kind of excelling in whatever they're doing. And so it's incredible. And I think it allows other folks that are maybe more experienced in whatever sport it is to kind of mentor each other. It's super cool. And of course, I've been around a lot of surfing like that. And so you just see everyone breaking down boards. And I say breaking it down like, hey, how this different shape and how these handles are placed or how all this, how you can do these different things, um, how to put wax on your stump so it stays on, like things that you would never think about talking about, you know, or waxing your prosthetic foot. Uh, or switching them out with somebody because they just lost theirs in the ocean. Like all those things would never happen at the NBA game, you know? Um, so it's been incredible, honestly. And it, uh, everyone I talk to loves it because it's it's just a friendly big group and it's global, right? So these things happen. There's people from Mexico come in. There's people from, there's Israeli soldiers coming. We've had all kinds of people. Uh, and it's just amazing to see everyone just come together and just want to support each other. It's super cool. Yeah, it's awesome. There's like a, like a, um, kind of like a, a humanity level set there, right? Where it's just like, oh, there's, you know, just like uh, when, when you're, when you, when you have to put uh, wax on a stump, there's only one way to talk about that, which is just to talk about it, right? And just to ask for that, right. just try to figure it out to kind of like have that right. real conversation. Whereas maybe somebody right. who, who doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, experience with a friend or family member who's, who has a amputation and they're like, uh, you know what? I don't know how to talk about this thing. It's like, no, we're just, we're here. Right. We're doing it. Like, let's talk about it. Let's make it work. Right. Right. No, I like to tell a story. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, if you, if you look at our Instagram, you'll see um, a guy named Jose. He's a triple amputee army dude. Um, he's got one arm um, and he is a charger. He surfs all the time. And so he's what's called a, he rides prone assisted. So that means he's on his stomach. Uh, he's holding on. He's got a single handle that he holds onto uh, and someone pushes him into the wave. Um, so anyways, we go out in groups and surf with him. And we are walking out. This is in Del Mar in California, San Diego. And we're walking out. And sometimes when you go out, there might be a little hole in the ground or something that's where the water has washed out. And it's a little bit lower. And so he's doing his kind of walk. And me and the other guy, we're regularly able. We're walking along and we step into a hole, right? I go up to my waist. Well, he disappears, right? Because <laughs> when you say anything, the first thing he does when he comes up is not complain or say anything. All I see is his middle finger come up. He's like, hey, where are you guys on that one? And it's just like, he's one of the guys, you know what I mean? He just wants to be treated like everybody else, just like we do, you know? And so he's talking a little trash. Hey, where are you guys at? You let me fall in this hole, jerks. You know, but literally the first thing you see come out is this hand, you know, with the middle finger for us. So I really appreciate that. It's really kind of helped me. And it just, you just <laughs> makes you just understand that we all want to be just treated the same. We don't want to be treated different. If you're going to talk about a stump, just say stump. You don't have to make up a weird word that you, but you don't know until you've been around it. So it's, uh, it's very heartening to see everyone be like, oh, it's just like your arm. No big deal. Let's go on. Let's, let's get moving. Let's move on. Let's do something else. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, okay. So I, I, to, to wrap things up here, I'd love to just ask kind of an open-ended question. Uh, if there's anything sure. that's on your, on your heart or on your mind about the the uh, maybe the state of, of nonprofit entrepreneurship or just entrepreneurship in, in, in the veteran community, military community in general, um, if there's, you know, whether that's a piece of advice or whether it's just an observation or something that, that maybe you've been like thinking, thinking or feeling about here recently. Yeah. Um, something I noticed early on is when I would ask other people questions, like very specific questions, like how much do you spend on this? People would kind of dance around. Um, what I've learned is there, no one's going to steal anything from you. You know, you should, for me, if someone asks you a question like another veteran or anyone that's trying to talk about a small business or a nonprofit, be completely open and honest because no one's like, I remember early on, people thought that if I told somebody how to get a grant or who I was getting money from for one more wave, that somehow that company was going to jump with them and steal my money and all this is going to happen and we weren't going to be friends. That doesn't happen in the in, at all on any on any level. 
um, the more you share with people, the better they get and the better we get. You know, like if I tell people about a grant that I know about, it's not like I'm not going to get it anymore. Um, if if people don't know that you need different licensing or registrations or how to do taxes, you can just tell them you're not going to hurt yourself. Your business isn't going to get better because that person is going under. Uh, so just sharing with everybody uh, has been it just makes you feel better. And you're just helping them out, too. It costs you nothing to be helpful. If people um, if you've had a little bit of success and we've had just a little bit and someone asks for help, I'll call, if anyone calls me, I'll talk to him. I'll tell them everything I know. I'll tell them how much money we make. I'll tell them how we do it, how we do our taxes. Just do that. Um, because it, it just helps everybody else. It doesn't hurt you. Um, and you don't have to hold on to it. No one's going to take it from you. Uh, just share, help as many people as you can. And then the, the final thing, you know, not small business would be, you know, we've all had friends that have checked out, you know, so don't be afraid to check in with people, right? Talk to people and be like, Hey man, uh, I know you. I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, I know sometimes I can get dark. I can go to the dark places. Um, let's chat. Just talk and force people to talk with you, even if they don't want to. Bother them. Um, bother your friends because that's what friends do. Um, but that's the same with the business thing. Bother them. Help them. You know, don't let them flounder. When you see them doing things that you know you've had failures at, just tell them, "Hey, man, I tried that and I wasted five thousand dollars on that. Here's the way I did it instead." Um, just sharing, I think, is uh, is super helpful. I had one guy start doing that to me, and it really changed my mind about uh, business and helping people and nonprofits, especially. Nonprofits get weird about not wanting to share with other nonprofits where they get their money from or what's worked for them or who gives a wholesale account to veteran wetsuits. I don't care. I'll tell everybody everything because it's just going to help all of us. Um, and so that's been a huge lesson for me. And people have really thanked me. They're like, hey, no one's ever told me that before. Thank you for telling me that. And so um, it's really made me feel good to be able to just keep helping people. And you know, what we all really crave is serving other people as much as we like to do things for ourselves. Man, when you can help somebody else out, it's it's better, honestly. Yeah, that's... Um... That's killer. That's a that's that's a that's a killer piece of advice for sure. I my my uncle told me something recently, uh, uh, which when he, when he and I were talking, um, and uh, it's something I I told him I was going to steal. Um, and and everything you just said, uh, it, it's kind of it, it sums it up. And he he said just be a human about it. You know, we just like whatever it might be, right? And and in this case, you're talking about asking for help and receiving help, um, as well as as well as uh, you know r relating to to folks that maybe have have similar experiences um, that, that can go to similar places. It's just like, be a human about it. We are, we're all, we're all humans on this journey. We're all people, uh, which means we're, we're all whole people, which is uh, encompasses everything good, the bad and everything in between. Um, and uh, if we can all just give each other our humanity, um, then, then, then we'll be, uh, we'll be in a, a better place to make some better decisions and, and do some better things. So um, Rob, this is a great, great place to end this. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know we've had a, Rescheduled us a couple of times. So thank you so much. Where can folks find you? Where can folks find the organization? We'll put everything in the show notes. Yeah, uh, everything's at onemorewave.com. Go check us out. You can come join us on the beach. If you don't surf, it doesn't matter. You can still come hang out, talk some trash. It'll be fun. Awesome. Cool. Appreciate your time, sir. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. Bye.